cheer. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited about what's going on here. Oh, it is great. I mean, let's just give a big clap offering for Jesus. Yes, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, what do you think you got these things for but to do the wave? So we're going to start over here. Hold up your palm. Hold up your palms, right? And we're going to start, well, actually put them down, like right about here. And then you're going to put them up, and we're going to kind of do the wave. Are you ready? Ready? And we're going that way. So, please. All right, you ready? And go! Woo! I'm right back! Oh! And here we go again! And here we go again! Now it's getting too cold in here. Uh. Yes! You know, it's kind of like what happened on Palm Sunday. Not exactly, obviously, but there was a sense of all this excitement that was going on. People waving their palm branches, the whole crazy, wild, enthusiastic kind of scene that was happening. Everybody there for Jesus. It was a fan frenzy. They probably weren't wearing quite the rad shirts like this. I don't know if you can see that, Jesus, number one fan. That's right, they probably didn't have that. Now, usually about this time, there's some people in the congregation that are thinking, I can't believe he went there. I can't believe he did this. Well, what you really can't believe is that what I didn't do, like I didn't have a bunch of overweight men paint a J-E-S-U-S on their bellies and stand here. Okay? So if you think this is bad, say, be glad. Be glad of what, what happened here. We call, what we call Palm Sunday was, was a real uh, Jesus parade, so to speak. A we love Jesus parade. And even to the point that it was almost like a coronation march. As the king was coming in. Let's look at that passage in John chapter 12. You see that listed on your sermon notes. We're going to read that. John chapter 12 verse 12. Beginning there. The next day the great crowd that had come for the feast. Heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Shouting Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on the coal, on the foal of a donkey. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize all these things had been written about him so that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with them, with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. And many people heard, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. And so the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Let's pray together this morning. I just ask that you bow your, 
your hearts with me and your heads. You know, earlier in our prayer time, we prayed about a number of, uh, of things this morning, some, some uh, hard things, some heavy things. And sometimes what happens is, in a, you notice in a, in a congregation of family, it's just it's a whole bunch of people, not just one or two, but it just kind of seems to just hit you all at once. Uh, in the last week or so, there are many, more than what we realize. So as I just pray, as we pray for God's word to really speak to us this morning, if you have a, a special need, and I'm not going to ask you about it, I'm not going to call upon you, but if you have that special need, if you just raise up your hand as we pray to the Lord, just raise up your hand, you have that special need that he wants, just raise it up. Father, as we raise our hands before you, we recognize that our help comes from you. Lord, it, it for many it has been a rough week. But you know what that's like. As we come to your word, we want to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would help me to speak your words, but I know that there are things that you want to say that go beyond anything that is going to come out of my mouth. But by your Spirit, you would speak. Speak to our need and speak to where we need to be in you, with you. Thank you, Jesus. Just commit each one hand is up before you, that you would let them know this day that there would be that calm assurance that could come from your throne and that you are still seated upon the throne as much as you were on Palm Sunday welcomed in as the king that has not changed. You are still the king. You are still on the throne. You still reign supremely over all things. And we praise you as that king. Reign over us right now in your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're talking about those who were there that Palm Sunday, but let's face it, there were some that were not so big of fans. There were some that really didn't care for what was going on, didn't want anything to do with Jesus. As we read the very last verse, verses there, it talks about the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. The whole world's going after him. Well, actually, not the whole world. There are a few that didn't want anything to do with Jesus, right? There are some that could care less not that that's such a surprise as then, any different than it is now, because there are those who want nothing to do with Jesus. There are those who, as we know, not just those, but all people have sinned and fallen short of what God wants. At some point in our life, all of us have had nothing to do with Jesus. And that, that Romans 6.23 tells us that the penalty of that sin is death. And there are those who are just plain lost. Hey, in a sense, they're just at, in the parade, if you will, just taking a seat. 
I don't have anything to do with this. There may be even somebody here today. It's like, I showed up because well, somebody asked me or one of my family members dragged me here. But I just assume, you know, to let the period pass by. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. But what if you're wrong? Now, you can say, what if I'm wrong about all this? And, and, and that's a fair question. But I want you to think about the consequences of what happens if I'm wrong. Not much anything. It just nothing works out. You know, it, it's not, not the way it is. But if you're wrong, if Jesus really is who he says he is, if Jesus, as he says in John chapter 14, 6, is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, if you're wrong about that, that changes everything. That changes eternity. There are those that are lost, but where does that put those who were on the parade route? Where does that put the crowd who was all excited, wearing their T-shirts, so to speak, about Jesus? Well, Jesus said, if you, for everyone, if you want, follow me. Follow me. That, you know... That we get all excited about Jesus coming. But basically his, his thing was, listen, here's what I want you to do. He says, as we walked up to just individuals, to people, follow me, follow me, follow me. Matthew 8, 22, Matthew 9, 9, Mark 2, 14, Luke 5, 27, John 1, 43. All these places, just keep on going with all kinds of different places. You know, he's saying, follow me. And so here are all these people who maybe they would say they'd follow because they ended up right there. They're standing up there cheering for Jesus. And they definitely look completely different than the person just kind of sitting there and wanting nothing to do with it. They're standing there. They're, oh, Jesus is great. He's wonderful. Hey, yay, yay, hooray, 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 hooray. But were they those who had moved to this chair? And they become disciples. I like to say, you know, they're not these people. Surely not. They're not just sitting there. They're standing up and shouting Jesus. But have they become a disciple? They become a disciple. Uh, just think about this illustration of what that means. Jesus says to follow me. Alex, uh, come on up here. Alex is volunteered to play a little game of follow the leader. And uh, Alex, I really appreciate that. You're excited about getting to do this here, right? Of course. Yeah, and you're excited about following me, right, man? Yes. All right, all right. Alex, you're excited about following me? You're all in, right? All okay, okay. All right, here we go. So we're going to do, do a little game of follow leader. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, Alex, okay, here's the thing. With follow leader, you're supposed to yeah. follow. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, uh, do, do you want to follow me? Yeah. Are you sure? Positive. Okay, this, this is a for sure. You, you want to follow me, you're, you're ready 100%. Okay, good. Okay, so here we go. One last time. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Come on, hand. Ah, uh, listen, I, I don't know if anybody's told you this, but this, uh, this whole follow leader thing, to follow the leader, you've got to move. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, let's give Alec a big hand for helping out this morning. You give him a big hand because he did exactly what he was supposed to do. If you're following Jesus, you've got to move. And there's a lot of people that say on that Palm Sunday they were followers of Jesus. But they didn't move out of this chair. They Maybe they stood up, but they didn't move. There's a lot of people that say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, he's the man. No, he's no, he's the God. He's the one. He's my Savior. He's everything. But we don't move. We don't follow him. We just, well, I, I, I'm a Christian. What does that mean? In fact, what does it mean to be a disciple, so to speak? How do we get to the point? And understanding, if we're following Jesus, we've got to move. What does that mean? It means, first of all, that we need to have a faith that follows all in. Now, Alex said he was all in 100%, but was he? You can't be 100% if you just stand still. We need a faith that follows all in. We need to make a decision that we're going to move out of this chair and we're going to move into this chair, so to speak. We're, we're going to be not the same. We're not going to stay the same place that we were in, in that sense. And, and, and I know on that Palm Sunday, everybody uh, was saying they loved Jesus. And they did. They loved what Jesus could do for them. They were there because either they experienced themselves or they heard about how Jesus had got free food for everybody. Right out in the middle of nowhere. They were there because they heard about, as we just read here in John, uh, John chapter 12, the crowd in verse 17 that was with them when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. They had heard about Jesus raising the dead. Oh yes, I want that Jesus. They were there in love with what Jesus could do. The potential that he could come and clean house of the Roman rule. The miracles that he did. All these things. And as they were there and, and all the frenzy that was taking place, they believed that Jesus could raise somebody else from the dead. They believed that Jesus could heal. They believed that Jesus could feed. They believed all of that about Jesus. They wanted more. 
but they did not want Jesus to be more. To be the conquering king over the Romans, yes. To be the conquering king over them, not so much. We need to have a faith that doesn't just believe. We, we understand that those on Palm Sunday, they believed all those things. But they were not disciples. They were not followers. They were not all in, in any sense. Yes, they believed. They believed the facts. And there are people in our churches who say, I believe, I believe all this stuff about Jesus. I believe the facts. Well, you know what James 2.19 says? Even the demons believe and shudder. The demons believe all the facts, everything about Jesus. Even the stuff that some of you may not even believe. Guess what? The demons know it's true. But they're not going to heaven. Why? Because they're not following Jesus all in. They're following something completely different, right? We need to, to recognize that there are, is a difference between a fan and a follower. There are those that will say, yeah, I know who Jesus is, and, and, and yes, that's probably where I need to be, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I really believe that Jesus, that Jesus can help, uh, uh, help me with possessions, and, and even then some of these are not just possessions, house keys, but there's some car keys on here. So I believe that I can ask Jesus to help me, to, to protect me, I, I believe that, that Jesus can, can help me with my finances and provide for me. So I'm, I'm going to trust Jesus for that. I, I, I'm going to trust Jesus for my health. I believe Jesus can do all those things. But there's a problem. I don't have a faith that follows all in. Where am I still sitting? It is not until I transfer my trust over to here and say, yes, I don't just believe what Jesus can do, but I trust Jesus with all of not just with the things in my life and what's going on, but I trust Jesus for my soul. I trust Jesus is the only one. As, he, as we said earlier, He is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm trusting Him. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I have got to move. You understand? To follow Jesus, you've got to move. You can't stay where you were at in any sense of the word. To make that decision. The problem is that it's in the crowd never moved. They trusted Jesus for a lot of things, but they did not trust him not only for their salvation, but they did not trust him all in. They didn't give everything to Jesus. I'm sure that there are those that day in that crowd uh, of Palm Sunday would have said they were followers. If you would have asked them, are you a father? Well, I'm here, aren't I? And sometimes we have that as we deal with our religion. 
parts in church. Well, I'm here, aren't I? But in less than a week, everybody unfriended him, so to speak. They turned away from Jesus. These same people on Sunday that were crying out, crown him. On Friday, we're crying out, crucify him. Do we really think they were followers? To follow, you've got to move and you've got to keep moving. You can't just follow him on Sunday and not follow him on Friday. It needs to be all out, all in. We know that in Matthew 27, it talks about how the crowd and Pilate ask, and what do we want? And he says, no, no, we want Barabbas. And, and they, what shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And they all, all answer, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere. But then instead an uproar was starting. He took water, washed his hand in front, and I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. They could do all the talk they wanted on Sunday. But on Friday, it showed whether they were really following. Whether they had a faith that was all in. Sometimes we say, I, I just don't understand. How could they do that? How could they say that? How can that happen? And, and, but Jesus said, Isaiah spoke about this long ago in Matthew 15, verses 7 and 9. Jesus says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They were never all in. Their lips were in, and, and yes, we want to believe and check that, but their hearts, their whole self never really was given to Jesus. To be the disciple that Jesus is calling. And all in means to follow Jesus in a total commitment of your total self that holds nothing back. Nothing. And there are too many people these days that don't let go of anything to follow Jesus. Except what they had to give up was some sleep on Sunday mornings that normally maybe they would have gotten. But Jesus is just an extra add-on. Jesus is like a bonus. He's like the cherry on top of some people's great life and everything they got going. This is, this is, everything's just perfect now. I got Jesus and he's at that cherry on the top of the good life. Jesus is one of the important things. And perhaps they can fool themselves into thinking, yes, I am Jesus' number one fan. But here's the problem. This shirt is wrong. That's not what Jesus is looking for. Jesus is not looking for Jesus' number one fan. 
what Jesus is looking for is that we would just plain and simple say, what? Jesus, number one, period. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to be all in. Jesus as number one. The disciples came to Jesus in Luke chapter 18, verse 28. Peter says to him, We have left everything. We have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come. There is a cost to follow Jesus. In Palm Sunday, those people were not willing to pay that cost as we can see clearly on Friday. Jesus is looking for followers, not fair-weather fans who can't make it on Fridays of their life. And we all will have those Fridays of our life when things are not good, when it is tough to follow Jesus, when everything is falling apart, when our trials and, and tribulations come. Will we keep moving or will we just sit down and stop? Will we keep going with Jesus and will we keep growing? There are some people that think that coming to Jesus, and, and I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, they somehow think that sitting here means now their life can be on easy street. That's the way the people of Palm Sunday thought. They were thinking, Jesus is coming, he's going to be here, it's where our life is going to be easy now. He will have food, we'll get healed, we'll get rid of the Romans, we got easy street. That's the way Palm Sunday people think. But those who are true followers of Jesus recognize there is no such thing as I'm going to be on easy street now that i got Jesus. In fact, the street that Jesus walked, the Via Della Rosso, in Latin meaning the road or way of grief, is what he walked. If we're to follow Jesus, if we're to walk in his footsteps, do we understand that we are walking in a way of grief at times? That is not always easy. He was beaten, he was mocked, he suffered, he died. That is the one we're following. Even Paul, as he lived a life all out following Jesus, says in 2 Corinthians 12.10, Therefore I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities for the sake of Christ. Whenever I'm weak, then I am strong. Paul did not get sidetracked. He did not stop. He kept following Jesus through the weakness, insult, hardship, persecutions, calamities, all those things. He kept moving because that's what faith does. Somebody said, well, I, I know that's the way Jesus walked, but I think maybe you're, you're trying to make it So that you're asking us just to be overcommitted, Pastor. I mean, there are some people that like that. Some people want to do that. But it just you're asking, you're, you're 
putting something on this that is not what Jesus said. Yes, Jesus walked that road, but we don't have to die. Jesus already died for us, so we don't have to do all that. It is supposed to be easy. And yet, over and over again, Jesus said things like in John or in Luke 14, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost? If you want to lay a foundation, not able to finish it, everyone sees it, we're ridiculed. Say the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king was going to war against another king. Won't he consider the cost? It goes on and on. If he's not able, send a delegation. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Those are Jesus' words. Those are the words of the person who should be sitting in this chair. There's not an in-between. That is what he calls us to. He said, if you're going to follow me, there are other places like in Mark where Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's what we don't realize is that in a sense, that same word, when Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, that same word right there, come after me, is the exact same word he uses just within that sentence, follow me. It's the same word, follow me and come after me. And so think of it this way, if anyone would follow me, if you're going to follow me, and that's what I've asked, Jesus says, I've asked all of you to follow me. If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and then follow me. You got to be all in. It's all in. Are we moving that direction? Are we moving and following Jesus in this way? We come to the cross and we recognize what Jesus did. I mean, we get up out of this chair of loss and we recognize what Jesus did upon the cross and how he died and took our place. So that we could have a place with him in heaven. He died and took our punishment so we wouldn't have to. We recognize the cross. We see that. We, we believe that fact. And we even take that for our own life and say, Jesus, I surrender to you. As my Savior. I want to follow you. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't tell us just to come to the cross. This is the way sometimes in our churchianity of today it's communicated. An easy kind of believism that just says just come to the cross. And we do need to come to the cross. Don't misunderstand. We need to come to the cross. Recognize all that it is and all that it needs to be for us. We come to the cross. But here's what he also says. We don't just come to the cross. We carry the cross. We're to carry the cross. When we're in this chair of disciple, 
This is what he's calling us to. Are you following? Are you moving that direction that he wants for us? Where are you at right now in all that Jesus wants? See, to carry your cross was no doubt in those days. I mean, some of everybody says, oh, I've heard people talk about, yeah, you got to carry your cross. That's your, you got, uh, you got a sickness. You got something, you got a, uh, you got a bad relative. Uh, you got, no, it, it, it only meant one thing in that day, to take up your cross meant you were going for crucifixion. It meant that you were going to die. The famous quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, the cost of discipleship talks about when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. There is no place for fans in that call to come and die. And I know there are those who would say, I do love Jesus, and, I, and if, if I was called upon, I'd be willing to die for him. And that's great. But are we really all in? For those of us who say, you know what, I would die for Jesus. If I had to, I would go, and, and I don't, you know, we'll, we'll go over there and, and share the good news. And if it happens, it happens. But Jesus is not just asking us to die. He's saying to take up a cross. Do we understand to take up your cross meant surrendering to the most cruel and brutal torture of death known to man at that time and perhaps ever? We're willing to die for Jesus if it's quick. But are we willing to take a cross to deny ourselves? Not, not this what stuff we do when we give up something for Lent that we probably shouldn't be having to begin with and should have already given up to follow Jesus. Are you with me? But to deny, uh, to give up, not stuff in our life, but to give up life. Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life must lose it. Whoever loses his life will save it. Sometimes I don't know that we completely understand that kind of commitment that Jesus is asking us in our country. Whereas you go to some of these other places and you talk with these people, and I know one of the places that uh, that our, uh, I'll say one of our relatives, because I know this is being uh, recorded. That's why I hesitate, how do you say it? But one of the places where somebody related to me went to, and how... The people in that culture and the dominant religion that was very, very strong and dark. They wanted Jesus. They saw Jesus. They had Jesus appear to them in dreams. And they would talk secretly with this person, making sure nobody else was around and even saw them go and talk with this person. Because for them, as soon as their family finds out, they're dead. Not they're disowned. They're dead. To follow Jesus all in 
for many means I lose my life. I lose my family. I lose my job. I lose everything. And yet I gain more than that with Jesus. When we come to the cross, we make a decision to take up our cross. Not just to leave behind our old ways, but to leave always. To deny ourselves and what we want. To deny ourselves and and what we say that we have control over. I, I, I'm thinking about this. We've seen this in. Well, maybe some of you have seen this places, right? You know, I'll have you know, I do have the purple wig. Um, but, all right. This is easy to hold up. It should be somewhat easy to hold this up. To people all around. But how many times on TV or any place else have you seen them holding up a verse like this? That's this one right here. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You don't see that too often, do you? Like never. We need a faith that follows all in. But it's more than that. We also need a faith that follows all out. You see, there are those who would say they have known, they they know Jesus, and 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 I'm good. I have, I I I believe I've taken up the cross. I believe I'm a follower of Jesus. I really do. And for the last twenty or thirty or forty years, however long, there are those who would boastfully claim, you know what? I I have stayed. Right where I should be. I haven't gone back to my old ways. I haven't turned away from Jesus. In fact, I would say that I, I have led such a good Christian life that I basically, I'm, I remember the day Jesus met me. I remember the day I received salvation. I remember the day that I, my life was transformed. And I want you to know I am so committed to Jesus that I haven't changed since that day. Anybody hear that? Did you catch that? I'm pretty much the same person as when I came to Christ. How is that a follower? How is that a follower if you're exactly the same person you were when you came to Christ 20 years ago? To follow Jesus, we've got to move. We've got to move. There, there has got to be a change. There has got to be a difference. There has got to, we have got to grow, which means we've got to go out of where we have been. You can't stay the same and grow. You cannot say that you are going with Jesus, but you have never moved from where you were when you first came to Him. To move. With Jesus is to go all out for Jesus. And for some reason there's this sense that sometimes out there that that there are two types of classes of Christians. 
There's the casual Christian. There's the committed Christian. But in the Bible, there is no such determination. There is no thing. You either are or you are not. To be a Christian is to be committed. To be a disciple is to be devoted. And there are those Christians for long times that feel like, well, you know what? I don't know how else I'm supposed to grow. I'm not supposed to where I'm going to go. I've heard it all. I know it all. I, and I'm not trying to say I'm a know-it-all, but I really have been in church and then gone to this and that and read on my own. I don't need anything more. And in fact, I, I don't see there's anything else in my life where I can grow in Christ. I'm not sure how I can be different. I really feel like I've really done. And, and, you know, and if that's true, I'm wondering why you're still here, why you aren't just taken up with Elijah in the chariot. Because there has to be something in our lives. If we are followers, we've got to move and to recognize that God still has a work that he wants to do in our lives. Being a Christian is about motion. It's about moving. We're talked about to walk in the Spirit. More than that, we know one of those things out of Philippians chapter 3. As we read that, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Do we hear that? It's a movement. It's motion. If we're following Christ, we cannot stay in the same place we were yesterday. We need to move. We need to all out follow him. With everything that we've got all out moved, there is that sense that Paul is saying here at the beginning, I've not already obtained all this, and yet there are some Christians that are sitting in the churches that are, I've, I've attained it all. I've arrived. I'm there. I'm good. I know I can't say that. I wouldn't say that publicly because people would think I was proud. But no, no matter how long you've been a Christian, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on. There is motion. There is movement in my life. This chair here does not represent a place to park yourself. But rather it points in the direction that we are to be, that should be driving ourselves to. In fact, the, the fact is there is another chair. I just put this up, but the fact is, there's actually another chair. And here's the problem. In our churches, and for so long, we just think you've got to be a disciple. Maybe somebody's called you to be a disciple that t- denies yourself and takes up your cross. But we think that's it. We've made it. But... There's another chair. There's more that God is calling us to, that Jesus is calling us to. You know, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls the men to come and follow me. He doesn't just say, come and follow me. Anybody remember? You don't have to say it, but just I, I just wanted to kind of call you back to that. Jesus says, come and follow me, and I will send you out to fish for men. Not just be a follower that says, I'm a disciple, I'm, I'm sold out, I, I, I'm, 
I, I really am all in with you, Jesus. No, there's more than that. He says, I want you to go all out for me, to be fishers of men. We should be constantly growing, moving forward in our faith in the sense, as, as we know, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. I don't think I have it up there, but it's the Great Commission. And Jesus says, go into all the world, right? I mean, Jesus is talking about that as we are with this whole Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. So there's a sense that what in that Jesus is calling us to is to make disciples, not decisions. We're to make that, that, that we need to get to the point where we are disciples. But here's the thing once you're in this, you are a disciple. What is Matthew? 28 verses 19 and 20 telling us to do go go and as you're going make disciples this says be a disciple maker as you're going make disciples don't just be a disciple you should be making disciples this is not one of those things that later on you know in some place we'll get to and yeah I suppose it no We've got to recognize that sometimes we just stop our, our, our Christian life and don't move to what Jesus wants to have us be a part of building his kingdom, of changing the world. And the only way to do that is if we will make disciples, be a part of that, living all out, bearing fruit in what he has called us to do. So where are we at? Are we chair number one? And number two, are we stuck? Have we really gone to the place? Because in a sense, and and we really tried working with this. What we want to do is if we are disciple makers, we want to win the lost. As disciples, we recognize that we want to build ourselves starting as a baby to a child and eventually get to the point where we are disciple makers. I don't know if you can see it, but there's kind of a big gap between this. I'm a disciple. I've been coming to church all my life, but I haven't really lived all out for Jesus. I haven't been a part of him changing the world. I haven't been part of doing something. I, but he has said, I'm not supposed to just be a disciple. I'm supposed to make disciples. How do I do that? The way you do that In a sense, it's one other way of putting it here. And that's to be equipped to do that. And that's why we here at the church with one another, we find our, we, we need to be equipping ourselves. That's this whole kingdom builders thing that we're talking that we're going to start on Sunday mornings uh, in, the, in the near future here. Is that we get stuck here. And we don't move. To being who Jesus called us to be. Salt and light. People who would change the world. People who would change eternity. People who would build, who would make disciples. 
It doesn't just happen. We have to move in that direction, and sometimes we need to be equipped to do that. And that's why we have what we're doing on Sunday mornings. The question is, where, where are you at? Are we moving? Are we settled? Are we seated? Are we stalled in our, our walk with Jesus? Because a walk with Jesus implies that we are moving, moving forward. There's a sense that Jesus is looking for followers on the field and not just fans in the stands. Jesus is looking for us to move. Paul said, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There is no sacrifice that we will ever make that will really be a sacrifice as we are right there walking with him, following. Are we moving with Jesus? Are we growing in Jesus? Are we going for Jesus? Jesus, I pray that you'd help us to think about our lives and where we're at with you. It's not just about what we believe. In our heads. It's about what we're willing to commit with our heart. And more than that, with our whole lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to go, to grow, to move, to follow the leader that is you and you alone into what you want for us. But I think of those who are here today that have just stuck. They've kind of stayed the same place in their Christian life for a while. And you're asking that they would just move. All you're asking is that they would follow you. That there would be that change. Help us to live all out. Help us to live all in. In your name we pray.